Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war I've heard over and over how many people are afraid to go to the hospital um, since COVID. We have talked, so many people have brought up to me their mistrust in the hospital system. And recently on one of my um, Instagram pages, Jody O'Malley RN, I did a post that said, I trust my number one doctor, two, nurse, three, hospital, four, insurance company, five, none of the above. And I asked people to comment. I received 263 comments and they were overwhelmingly five, none of the above, with a few just saying their exception. Like I trust my functional uh, care doctor. I trust myself as a nurse, you know, those types of comments. But man, we have come a long way from, I believe it was in 2000, from 2000 to 2020, nurses were ranked number one trusted healthcare profession. And with only the firefighters beating us out in um, 2001, uh, September 11th, that year. And, you know, I just thought it was really probably a good time to encourage nurses who are in the system, give some solutions, and also to talk to the public, to you guys, about some things that are happening uh, behind the scenes so that you can maybe have a little bit more compassion um, for the nurses that are taking care of you. And we'll go through why um, so that we can find some common ground and understanding and maybe also to, so you can help affect some legislation and some real change Right now, I am in St. Thomas with one of my best friends, Carrie, who was a nurse that hired me when I became, um, when I graduated from nursing school on my very first med surge, um, my very first nursing job on the med surge floor. And her and I, after I left there, I was only there for about a year and a half before I transferred down to the emergency department. Um, and after that, her and I became really good friends. And we have been traveling pretty much several times a year, every year, all the way up until 2020, when, um, you know, COVID happened, we were kind of just doing things, you know, around the state, or maybe just a little bit of traveling outside of the state to national parks and stuff. 
but this is our first big trip that we have taken since 2019. And I really wanted her experience as a 27 um, year nurse. She has worked in many different areas. And right now she is uh, a hospital supervisor for a large hospital system. And, um, and I just thought it would be really great to twist her arm because I know <laughs> this is not her favorite thing to do. <laughs> She's correct. <laughs> and record with me. And, um, you know, I did do a show with her last week, uh, celebrating my 10 years as a nurse, which I never thought would actually happen, especially after I blew the whistle. But we are going to just opine on a few different um, uh, articles that we came across and um, and just give our opinions. Um, you know, we don't agree on everything and that's okay, but we have love, respect and trust for one another. And I encourage you guys, you know, to reach out to those relationships where, you know, you may think like, hey, I don't agree with everything they're saying or this person is not the friend that I thought they were, those types of things. And, you know, and really lead from your heart because that's where love resides. And I think a lot of healing can take place. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you for being here on Nurses Out Loud, doing your second podcast <laughs> interview. Oh, thank you so much for the invite to do this interview. <laughs> so kind of you. <laughs> See, this is how she gets you. She traps you on an island somewhere and you have no escape. So here I am. <laughs> here you are. I'm like, okay, we can go out and have a couple of drinks at the beach when, <laughs> when we get done doing this. <sighs> She's um, trying to entice me. Yeah. But this is, um, you know, a passion that I've had, you know, for for a couple of years, I mean, I, I never thought that I would leave the bedside, right? And, you know, I think that's a good starting point is maybe how has the culture of nursing units changed, in your opinion, since 2020? Well, I mean, yeah, we could even maybe even say, how, okay, how about this? How was nursing in 2020, 2020 alone? Through COVID or yeah. before it? No, just COVID. Right. Like as soon as well, it changed the whole environment. We we know everyone became extremely stressed, and we don't always go to work as nurses thinking about how we're going to harm our families by being a nurse and the risks we're taking. We go in, we put ourselves in harm's way and do what we have to do and what we love to do and our passion. And then COVID came around and all of a sudden you didn't want to go home. You didn't want to bring it home. You didn't want to, it was just this added stress. You didn't want to expose your families to whatever was going on. And it wasn't just about you anymore. You felt like you were putting everybody at risk and depending on what your family dynamic is and how many are in your household. You know, some live with extended family that had elderly parents they were caring for and, you know, a lot of little children and they didn't know how this was affecting everybody, the kids and the elderly. And the more and more information came out about the pregnant people being more exposed and elderly being more susceptible. You know, they really wanted to escape the profession. We just 
We lost a lot. We had a mass exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, we did have people join in the profession, people who had been home or, you know, stay at home mom saying they took two years off from nursing and they came back because they wanted to help and they wanted to be the hero, but we lost more than we gained, unfortunately. And then through that entire year of 2020, we had no educational system. All the colleges shut down everything, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so we couldn't for everyone who quit, we couldn't replace them. We just worked extremely short staffed, um, and it's what everybody had to do across the world. Yeah. When you say that um, nurses left, um, like, what, are we talking about early retirement? Yes. Um, Health uh, reasons. I mean. Or women that were pregnant. They were, yes. they were offered. I know in our area, they were offering because we were slow. We weren't busy. And they allowed a lot of nurses to go travel. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. We lost a lot to traveling assignments that were, you know, paying $150 an hour in their pocket to go, you know, do these travel assignments, especially to the East Coast. And some never came back, you know, I mean, they experienced life there or relocated and did what they wanted to do. And we were really slow in Arizona on getting the virus at first. Um, While the other hospitals may have been packed on the East Coast and such, we were, it was crickets. It was quiet. We had nobody. I mean, our census was so low that it was easy to give these leaves to the nurses so they could do these traveling assignments. But then when it hit us, now it really hit us and we still had a lot of people on leave doing these assignments because they were getting paid so well to travel and they didn't want to come back and so it left us even shorter and of course we all know when it hit it hit it hit every hospital and it hit us hard yeah yeah i mean it's interesting in this article in nurses journal i'll put the link in the bio but they, they said that the pandemic seemed to inspire a career in nursing. You know, according to AACN, that's American Association of Colleges of Nursing, student applications surged. And um, in, in the BSN, bas- master's, bachelor's, and doctorate, um, they all increased. They said that while the interest was high, 80,521 qualified applicants could not be admitted. Um, and it was because primarily of a shortage of teaching faculty and clinical assi- uh, sites for nursing students. So that literally they turned away 80,407 qualified applicants Um well, there were no clinical assignments even, yeah. right? I mean, we were barely allowed in the hospitals. Families weren't allowed in the hospitals. Like they weren't accepting any students and the colleges weren't putting them into the clinical situations, which is a whole other nightmare down the road. But we had people coming into the profession, some for good reasons and some not as good. I mean, you had your people who wanted to get in there, fight the good fight and be the heroes and do their part. And then there was others who maybe they're working as a waitress or they were, you know, working as a valet attendant or something. And 
they were all out of work. They were losing their jobs. And then they realized, you know what? I don't want a job like this where it's dependent upon the economy in this way. You know, if businesses are shut down and restaurants are closed and everything and we're all unemployed, but look who's working. Healthcare. Yeah. Nurses are working. So I'm going to look into the future and take care of my family. And I'm going to go into this economy proof job, you know, and that's kind of like the dangerous ones that went in. They, when I went to nursing school, I had a nursing instructor that said, don't be an appliance nurse. And she meant you're not being that nurse that you got the job because you're working towards the next refrigerator, the next stove, the next dishwasher, whatever. No, do it because your heart is in it. Not because it's economy proof, not because you make good money and you're going to have good benefits. And unfortunately, we did get a good handful who went into the profession because of that. Yeah. And they're highly regretting it now and their stress and their burnout is off the charts right. because it's just not what they anticipated doing at all. And yes, they have a job and they're gainfully employed and they have benefits, but they're miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, that's also probably a good point to bring up is the, the nursing students that were in college, say if they started in, you know, late tw- 2019, they did not get a lot of clinical bedside experience. A lot. They didn't get any. I mean, I was precepting this one guy and he was a new grad going to be working on the cardiac unit at the hospital. Very, very good as a PCT already employed by the hospital. Um, stellar on his personality. And yet I was asking him, he was showing me these sheets that I had to sign off that he was following in a leadership role for the day. And I was signing them off and I'm looking at the forums and it was like IVs started and different tasks and he didn't have any of it. And I said, you know, these are the standard forums that we've been giving to nursing students and new orientees for years to sign off skill sheets. Right. And the fact that he was at the end of his nursing schooling and these things weren't signed off. And I said, well, how have you been handling this? How have you started IVs, you know, when you had no clinical rotations because they weren't allowing students in the hospital? He said, we watched YouTube videos, basically. It was, you know, training videos. It wasn't even mannequins and dummies because they couldn't go into schools. They couldn't congregate. They couldn't be together in groups. And so they were literally at home watching videos on how to put an NG tube in and how to put a Foley in and, you know, I mean, your basic nursing skills and how to start an IV. They never even got to touch a mannequin or anything real and tangible. He said, all we had to do is do this and this and watch this video, sign this off. And we got signed off on this and that. And to what they may have thought in the moment seemed great. Wow. Amazing. Almost like, you know, nursing school is incredibly hard and I'm just going to kind of skirt through and have this like free ride and I have to do clinical rotations and hours. And once it came down to it and they got a job on the floor, they were, you know, hitting themselves in the head saying like, oh my gosh, yeah, I can't start an IV to save my life. Or, oh my gosh, I don't have any clinical skills. You know, some people didn't even know how to talk to patients. You know, you have a younger generation that was going into nursing and a lot of the younger generation is very tech savvy but not a lot of social skill savvy. You know, they're used to texting their friend. They don't call them up on the phone. They don't talk to people in person. And, you know, they're just very tech aware, which is very unfortunate. You know, you go by 
a room right now in the hospital and a patient's alarm is going off, the IV pump is beeping, there are al- oxygen alarms going off, whatever is alarming. And I would walk into a room and be like, oh, is that you making that noise? And oh, haha, you know, how you doing, sir? And then I would go to the pump and I'd adjust it and turn it off and say, oh, hey, you know, your bag is empty. Let's go get another one, you know, whatever. And I watch these newer grads today and these younger nurses and they walk into the room and they don't even address the patient anymore. <laughs> They're like not even there. They go straight to the tech. They go straight to the pump, straight to whatever's alarming. They yeah. fix it and they walk out of the room like the person's not even there. I mean, and you would think that that doesn't happen. That seems so unreasonable. Like, no way you're lying. Right. Oh, it's happening. It absolutely is happening. Yeah, that's that's crazy to think that, you know, because because you wonder, you know, I mean, here, I'll take it back for me. Uh, I wanted to make sure that nursing was something that I really wanted to do, you know, and it was something that I had thought about, you know, growing up on and off. But when I decided at 35 to change my career completely, I started off as a CNA. Mm-hmm. And, and I gained experience there and, you know, had touch patients were around patients, mm-hmm. especially in a nursing home situation, because that's primarily, you know, your clinicals pivotal. Yeah, it's pivotal. It, absolutely. I think it's pivotal. And but even more so, it helped me realize that this is absolutely where I want to be. And I remember a lot of nurses that underwent the CNA route, they were like, oh, no, this isn't the kind of nurse I want to be. You know what I mean? Or you had some that are like, "Okay, I'm just going to do it, you know, to get through school. But I really want to be a nursing informatics um, person. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? They would do it. Yeah. We have these new grads that were coming into the profession and didn't get these clinical rotations and didn't even get like six months worth of school experience, like sitting next to their classmates in school or anything. And they're doing this all online. And maybe they were working as a tire attendant at discount tire for four years beforehand. And, you know, they had no actual people skills necessarily going into the profession and they got into the profession. And once they got out of school, it slapped them in the face on how to actually deal with people. They didn't know how to like really deal with the patients. They didn't realize it was going to be that hard. Right. And a lot of times when you graduate as a new grad, you get med search is what you get saddled with for one to two years until you get that experience before the other uh, vocations will take you, you know, whether you're going to transfer to the ER, the ICU, whatever. And med search nursing is very difficult and it learns you, it teaches you to prioritize and organize your day. And, you know, if you can handle five patients and you're running and you're getting it all done and you're getting out on time, like that teaches you your skills. And that's what the other modalities of nursing want you to have is that background first. Cause they know, Hey, she handled a year or two of med surge, right? She can handle this or, you know, she's teachable, but you had a lot of these people coming in the profession that got gypped on their schooling through COVID And they didn't even realize how hard it was going to be to deal with people, to deal with call lights or demanding people or whatever it is. You know, I mean, they just don't they just don't know what it is to like actually deal with personalities. Yeah. Personality, not to mention we're going to get into the culture on the nursing unit, how that has shifted. 
But I found this uh, interesting on the aacnnursing.org nurse shortage fact sheet. It says, according to data published in nurse.com, in 2020, 11% of nurses considered leaving the profession. In 2021, that jumped to 29%. More than doubled. More than doubled. And then in March of 2022, they found that 52% of nurses are considering leaving their current position due primarily to insufficient staffing, work work negativity, um, affecting health and well-being, and inability to deliver quality care due to the um, shortage, the, the shortage of staffing, right? And then it says, in addition, 60% of acute care nurses reported feeling burnout and 75% report feeling stressed, frustrated, and exhausted. You know, and that's that's so sad. The numbers and statistics are crazy. And you had these nurses that were really good. You know, your stellar, strong nurses on the units, your leaders, your silent leaders, the go-tos, great clinical skills, very efficient and organized and, you know, took great patient care. And those were the ones that were burning out the most because it mattered so much to them. You know, I mean when you had the staff shortage and they were running at seven to one, six to one day shift, you know, those are very high ratios. We're supposed to be running at about a four to one and depending yeah, on day shift. And if you're in the cardiac um, step down unit, a three to one ICU, a two to one. So when you're running at like six or seven to one um, with your charge nurse in the count, so that's the extra set of hands that's not there to help you. You're running low on patient care techs, so you don't have the nurses' aides to help with the smaller mundane things, maybe just by like emptying a Foley catheter. And you didn't have the ancillary staff and everybody was working short. EBS was working short, you know, your housekeeping and dietary, your phlebotomy. We didn't have lab techs. You're drawing your own labs as well. You know, you're doing your own EKGs, you're, you know, all the extra ancillary staff that we were running really thin on. And so the really good nurses, a lot of them that frustrated them so much because they couldn't give the standard of care they were used to, Yeah, you know, so it, because they couldn't look at their patient's sad face after they haven't been in the room for four hours and it, they just felt the guilt and the guilt for the families and the expectations. And, you know, that never changes. The need of the patient never changes. You know, it's not like they need less because you have less staff. Right. And so, if you're saying that you're in a pandemic and this virus is out there killing people, then you have sicker people coming in. Right. And yeah. And it's so frustrating. So the great nurses were quitting because they couldn't handle it. And then what were you left with? You were left with a lot of people who, you know, we all know the people They clock in, they clock out, they do as least amount as possible. They don't care as much, but they get through the day. They maybe, you know, maybe you're solid nurses. Maybe they've been there for 15 years, but they just, they don't care as much, right? Like they're just, they're maybe a type B personality, something like that. They're just getting through the day. So you're left with a lot of those, which made it even worse. 
Because now you don't have your go-to people, your teachers, your instructors, your leaders, the people that you look to to help you out with things, the, yeah. the extra so skills. Questions right. That you, have. Yeah. you had, you know, blase nurse Nancy who, you know, it's, I'm just going to take care of my patients, keep my head down, do my thing. I'm not going to help you out. I'm not really a team player, but I'm here. Right. I'm collecting I my paycheck. Them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we lost, we got some new staff in, but we lost a good chunk of solid leaders and really good nurses. Well, do you have any opinions on why in 2020, you know, um, we only had 11% wanting to leave 2021, 29% wanted to leave. Um, and then March 22, 52% want, want, wants to leave. Any, any opinion on that? Well, you know, I think part of it is the influx of what you were getting after that. Like what, you know, you're in 2020, it's like, we're all in Oh, COVID let's fight this. You know, we got heart. We're the heroes. Like, let's go. And then once all these people started leaving and early retiring out, leaving because they were pregnant or leaving because of health issues, lung issues, they didn't want to take the risks. Right. And then as you got in the new staff, when you're finally allowed to hire the new staff, it's new grads, profound amount of new grads, right? You'll have a floor, you have 10 nurses working on the unit that day and eight of them have a year or less experience and you have like two that are like your experienced nurses, right? So you're going to, it's just even more burnout and more education. You don't even realize how much those new nurses need a new, new grad needs a lot in the best of circumstances because you don't know what you don't know and you're never going to see it all in school. Right. I mean, the truth is going to slap you in the face when you get out there and you're just going to learn by example, you're going to learn by your leaders. You're going to learn on the job. You know, it's fake it till you make it almost. And, you know, you're going to struggle. And that's in the best of times. And you had now 2020, we're in the fight together. 2021, 2022, 2023, we're inundated with all these nurses who went into the program now, into COVID nursing times, into the program. And they're coming out and they're very inexperienced. They're very green. And we have so many of them. And for the solid nursing staff that was there that didn't leave, they're just turning over even more because it's so difficult. They're so strapped with not only their own patient care, but the help of these, all these new grads. And then the new grads are frustrated because they're feeling like we're eating our young, you know, that we're really tough on them. And it's because you know, the more experienced nurses are frustrated and they're trying to get their own patient care done and they don't have the extra time to handhold and teach you how to start an IV, teach you things you should have been taught in school and they didn't get the chance to. So as that progressed, we had more staff, our ratios improved, but the quality of the staff and what we had has changed exponentially. It's just really frustrating and sad. So everyone's like, no, this isn't for me. Wow. You know, nursing's hard. Nursing really sucks. Like there's no team. Like what happened? You know, you were, we're all out there for ourselves and we're just struggling to get by and, you know, and people are burnt out and overstressed. Yeah. And then you, you know, and that's probably, you know, and people feel that, right. People yes. feel that our patients feel that they feel that stress. They, you know, 
which your makes it even worse. Yeah. And your inability to have exercise patience and kindness and compassion yes. when you are just doing your best to keep your license every day, right? to chart appropriately in case somebody, right. you know, comes back at you and something negative happens. But every single day, guys, like nurses that are showing up to work for the most part are out there risking their license, mm-hmm. right? Because they are operating like their license is their own, you know, there are no, um, but they're out there risking their, their license and their livelihood. Um, you know, when we come back from the break, I, I want to talk about my, my perception on what happened to nursing and why we are here where we're at now. Um, but before we do guys visit our sponsor, um, ASEA, you can go to America shop and get the exclusive code for your discount for America Out Loud Talk Radio listeners. ASEA, I love it. It's a redox signaling molecule. And I take two shots in the morning. Uh, it's of salt water and two shots in the evening. Two ounces is what it is. And, um, you know, it just has helped me have more energy and, um, and I think probably helping me with, you know, the, the supplements that I do take, I don't know, my, my life has changed in a positive way since using this product. So go and check out americaoutloud.shop and ASEA. We'll be right back. It's time and this is This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. 
Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to healthycell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Healthycell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Change in the world one person at a time. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud, and I am your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley. Today, we are talking about the nursing shortage and just the state of healthcare uh, that we we see it from you know different perspectives. Um, Carrie, who is a nurse, joining me today. She has been in nursing for twenty seven years and is a hospital supervisor. And uh, myself, I just went back to the bedside in the ED and, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that experience, but I do want to, you know, say from my perspective, I believe, you know, you didn't have a lot of nurses who wanted to leave the profession in 2020. They did say 11% wanted to leave in 2020. 2021, that went up to 29% and March 22 was 52%. And my opinion on that would be 2020, 11% wanted to leave because you had a lot that were elderly. Um, They say that the average nurse um, is 52 years old in America. And so that's a, you know, that that's a, an age where you're having grandchildren and you're starting to think about retirement. So I think for a lot of people who were set up um, and, you know, were like, I'm, I'm getting out of this or a lot of pregnant women, you know, they're like, you know what, I'm just going to stay home with my baby. I, I don't want to deal with this. Um, so that's kind of my opinion on 2020. Um, but then 2021 went up to 29%. I think it wasn't, it, it could have been due to the increase in, in people that are becoming, that were becoming sick. We did inject people, you know, mass injection um, in January, you know, with little to no data oversight. And so 
you know, it wasn't until people were screaming about myocarditis, like myself included, that, you know, Pfizer actually put that out as a warning label, but still yet and blanket encourage everyone to get it. Um, I think that a lot of nurses uh, did not want to be forced to, you know, to participate in an experiment, you know, considering that they had already been working for, you know, over a year at that point with this population. And, you know, they, they thought, well, you know, I'll just take my chances, I guess. And so, you know, did you see a big shift in the, in the nursing culture? I mean, as hospital supervisor, you, you walk all, you know, around pretty much the entire hospital. Did you see, like, what was the, um, the talk around the nursing station, if you will, was it like a political thing where people, did they feel open to have discussions about the, the injection? Like what was their, their talk around the nursing station, I guess. No, I mean, from an administrative standpoint, you know, um, and me supporting or not supporting the vaccine, you know, a lot of it's not openly talked about in front of me because they know that I represent administration to the hospital and what administration's stance on it was that you had to get vaccinated. Um, the team culture, a lot of that shifted with not so much them arguing about the vaccine, um, Masking was a huge argument and you had the diehards who absolutely put it on at all costs, like no matter what, and would wear even just a half respirator on their face with full filters and such. And then there were those who didn't even want to wear the surgical mask, you know, I mean, so (laughs) there was the dichotomy between the two and that had a separation of the team and, you know, a lot of team norms went out the window for a lot of that stuff. Yeah, so man. that was unfortunate. And then, you know, as a lot of people left the profession and we got more in and a lot was new grads and we had a lot of us versus them. You know, I have my core, I have my team, I have my people I've worked with for 10, 15, 20 years. And then you have the new kids on the block and they were sticking together. Right. And they were kind of doing their own thing and asking each other for help because grads were like the blind leading the, yeah, yes, (laughs) yes. Because they could tell the frustration and the burnout of the experienced staff. And we very, very frequently had one nurse training two new grads. One nurse having two orientees at the same time, really? you know, and anyone who does nursing like or a preceptor, well, uh, they were orienting someone to a new role to the, were they to the floor, grads, like the 12 week, a preceptor, role? right? Right. Yeah. Yes. So guys, like when a new grad comes on the floor for the good hospitals, I should say, they will give them at least three weeks, right? Or three it's months. Eight- Eight, to, eight 12, to 12 weeks, depending 12 on how weeks. good they are okay. and what their background is. Yes. And so that uh, preceptor, you know, they take the load together, you know, the new grad and the preceptor. And so that's where you really learn a lot of yes. your time management skills. And it and may seem safety. like, right. It may seem like 
two are better than one. And well, you know, you have, I'm going to give you the extra patient because you have an extra set of hands and you two can handle it. But anyone who's ever been a nurse who's precepted or orientated a new grad or new nurse realizes how much work they are and how much extra time that takes. It's not an extra set of helping hands. You should actually have less patience. You should almost be in a three to one ratio to make sure that you can stop, slow down and take the time to explain everything you're doing and not just assume they know what you're doing and they may see you program the heparin for this amount and under, they see the protocol. It says, oh, hey, if their PTT is this, hey, give them this. But they don't maybe understand the mechanics behind it. They yeah, don't why 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 right. they're doing it. And you have to take the time to slow down and not just explain. Here's our protocol. Give them this for this. But why you're doing that? Yeah, you know, and yes. that takes extra time. And so you'd have one nurse training two new grads, and it's just such a disservice to the staff. And now administration doesn't want to do that. You know, mind you, that's not the optimal thing, but you would have two, say very experienced nurses on the unit and you have eight new grads. Well, when you have eight new grads and two experience, you're going to have to double up because the new grad's not training the new grad. And, you know, we've had a lot of experienced nurses who don't want to train. They don't want to teach. So they may be there on the unit, but they want nothing to do with you, you know, so you can't ask them. Um, the other experienced nurses who do it, they get $2 extra an hour to do the preceptor. So that's an incentive for some of them. And some just love to teach. Yeah, I love to teach. That's what I miss doing. I'm actually considering um, doing something with the new grads like over Zoom you know, or something because yes. I, I just, well, I, you'd be great with that. Yeah. Like I, I was always like, Oh, let me teach you. you. They can come with me. You're passionate about that. Yeah. Educating was one of my favorite things to do. You know, I look at this, um, this article and I just want to touch on a few more points. Uh, one of them is a hostile working conditions fueled by COVID-19. And they said that they found that 44.4% of nurses reported physical violence and 67.8% reported verbal abuse. Um, It's hard to believe that those numbers are so low in a way because most nurses have to go into the hospital environment. I mean, I don't know what the context of their survey is, if it's hospital nursing, acute care nursing, or we're talking podiatrist office. They said nurses face spikes in workplace violence um, as patient families felt helpless with sick loved ones in the hospital. You know, um, we, we, yes, that was huge. It was huge. It was huge. We removed the advocate. So we removed the other set of eyes. And then if you had somebody that was truly, you know, really sick and they couldn't talk to their family, I mean, they totally felt helpless. I mean, I was a, you know, as a administrator of the hospital, I was the one that constantly had to deal with the family members demanding to see their family members, you know, the patient in the hospital. And, you know, I was called a goose stepping Nazi for following orders. I, 
you know, I had one man who wanted to come and see his wife and told me he hoped I died sick and alone in the hospital without a hand to hold myself. And, you know, this other lady said, I hope you die of disease and pestilence. And, you know, I hope you go to hell for not allowing me to see my mother kind of thing. I mean, I had to take that on daily. And, you know, it wasn't my policy, you know, and that's the frustrating part. Like, I felt like, go, go see your family member. You know, I'm going to be that angry family member on the other side of the bed arguing with the hospital administrator if my mom's in there. Right. You know, I'm the one fighting to see my family member, my loved one. Mm -hmm. So it was really, really hard to uphold that. And yeah. You know, I mean, to not have any visitors at all, I, it was just incredibly difficult. I mean, it got to the point with me because, you know, before I left, I was hospital supervisor as well. And I remember um, and then I had no idea I was going to blow the whistle or anything like that. But I had started uh, when families were really persistent, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, be persistent, be persistent, because I'm going to let you mm -hmm. I'm going to let you and I'm going to chart that I gave you education on that you could possibly get infected with COVID, even though you've been laying next to this man mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for, I don't know, you know, your whole know. dang life. Like who am I to tell you, you can't see your loved one. We had couples married for 50 years and yeah. the never person died alone. Yeah. Never spend a night away. Right. From them. Right. Yeah. And they died alone. Right. And I just, you know, it's so wrong. Yeah. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. And, and they'll never, ever get over that. No. How will you ever recover from that? Right. Well, how can we change? You know, the, the, the reason why I was able to say, yes, if you want to come in, you can come in. But I had to make sure that the nurse felt comfortable with it because I would never tell a nurse. Right that she, you know, how to care for her patient assignment. Right. So if I knew the nurse was like, yeah, absolutely. Let the family in. Then I, I let them in, you know, and I told her, I said, just make sure you chart that they were given education and I'll back you up and I'll chart the, a nurse's note as well. That wasn't even an option. Well, it wasn't an option for us. I just did it mm. because I was like, my whole thing was, well, what are they going to tell me? What is administration going to tell me? Because I am using nursing ethics. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the oath that I... Well, they threatened to fire you for not following protocol and policy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Threatened threaten to do it. And and yeah. You know, it, it's just one of those things. It's like, what do we do going forward? You know, if they try to push something like this on, you know, nurses again. Because I, I really, truly believe that we have... The healthcare is in the state that it is for one of the major reasons is because a lot of nurses were not going to be coerced into an experiment. I don't know what kind of pandemic or epidemic would have to come down the pike in order for it to get to that level again. I mean, uh, as people learn and got more educated about, you know, the vaccines, the masks, the visiting, you know, how susceptible they were to the infection. It to fight now, if you tried to close down the hospitals again on COVID's behalf, good luck. 
Go on. I, it'll never happen. Yeah. Um, there would be protests in the streets, like, you know, might as well just instate martial law because it would be mayhem. Um, it would have to be something so severe. I don't even know Ebola, anthrax, something like, like leprosy. Where, I I yeah, don't know. Like people are actually dying in the streets. It's, you're right. Smallpox. Yeah. So, I don't know. Something so severe because to keep people from their family members again, now that people are more educated and they're not as fearful. Uh, yeah. You know, good luck. And when they say that there's only 44% of violence that they have experienced. It's just so hard to believe that because we see it every day. I don't know a nurse that hasn't experienced Absolutely. violence of some sort. So 44% is the reported violence because we so frequently never ever report it because it could be in the form of uh, Alzheimer's, geriatric patient who kicks you in the stomach but they don't mean to and you're not really going to press charges because they'll never stick or hold up in court because they don't know what they're doing you know there's so much violence that is never reported and the psychological effect covid and the closing of the country and everything has had on people on you know uh bipolar schizophrenic like the PTSD, like mental health, people with depression and SMI, like um, severe mental illness, it has just compounded that, yeah. you know, times a hundred. So that population is giving, getting even more violent when you shut them down and close them off and made so many situations worse Yeah, that, you know, we're seeing so much more violence when it comes to a lot of those patients and a lot of the family members. And the nurses know they can press charges, but if there is SMI, if there's any history of mental illness or anything, even if they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol, we don't press charges. And we all know that we have this terrible, when you talk about a pandemic, let's talk about, you know, fentanyl and opioid crisis that is killing more people than COVID did. I mean, and, you know, we're not addressing that in such a severe way. We're not throwing billions of government dollars into the fentanyl crisis, you know, but that has gotten so much worse since COVID, right? Like all the stressed out people and the job loss people and the just anxiety overall. And, you know, kids who were in their formative years, and they're brain forming, I'm forming my personality and who I'm going to be for life in these years. And these are the years that I'm taught to be fearful and wear a mask in school and don't talk to anybody and don't get close to anybody and social distance and stay at home and lockdown. You know, that's affecting these kids' psyches, you know, and as we see them as they're getting older, you know, those are the now 10, 13 year olds, you know, that are a menace and yeah. they're a nightmare. And we think that the mass shootings, school shootings and stuff is a problem now. Like, you know, just wait within yeah. the next five years of how much worse that's probably going to be right. because of the severity of that fear that has affected them. Like, you know, that is your adults could choose for themselves mm-hmm. and the kids couldn't. And they were just told and educated to be afraid. Yes. And so they grew up afraid. So they grew you up know, afraid. yeah, Dr. Corey just posted uh, an article or a study that was done on how psychotropic 
um, medications for these psychic issues have increased the um, the suicide shooter uh, yeah. rate that every single one, well, I shouldn't say every single one, but a vast majority of these school shooters uh, are on some type of psychotropic yes. meds. And the violence is increasing. And when you talk about in 2023, you know, the nursing population that wants to leave now is 52% as opposed to 11% in 2020, because the angry, violent people are just growing in numbers. People who are mad of all the situation, people who are distrustful of the hospitals in general. Hey, my mom came in here with a cough and she died in here of COVID and I couldn't see her. And now uh, my husband's sick and I don't want him to come to the hospital at all. Right. But since he has to, I don't trust any of you. Right. And, you know, I mean, like the distrust for the, like you said, the nurses aren't the trusted profession anymore. And for 20 years running, we were number one or whatever, you know, and I mean, and that, of course, has gone down because... They just don't trust healthcare anymore. They don't, you know, I think, so you the know, violence is going up. It's kind of the same. I, I think the government overplayed its hand. I, I believe, well, you know how I, I believe, you know, <laughs> we all know how she <laughs> believes, <laughs> you know, I believe that it was planned. I believe that they wanted to see how people would respond. And the vast majority of Americans, um, you know, including myself, I had no idea that the, all this stuff was unconstitutional because I really wasn't taught the Constitution. You know, I, I knew that it was unethical. I knew that it was against evidence based practice, you know, and I knew that the Lord was calling me to do something else. And, you know, I, I know we don't have a whole lot of time here left, but, you know, what would you say are is something that nurses can do to for self-care. What is one thing that a nurse can do for self-care to prepare themselves to stay at the bedside, I guess. Oh, educate um, yourself. Um, you know, always, you know, they say, put your oxygen on mat your mask first before you put it on the person next to you. Yeah. And it's, Self-care is taking care of yourself, whether that's meditation, mm -hmm. um, whether that's your religion, your faith, um, your own health, your own body, taking care of your own personal health is yeah. hugely important. Um, you know, focusing on whatever you need, massage or therapeutic touch or therapy and talking to somebody, but just try to take care of yourself because as stressed out, anxious and miserable as a lot of people are, like you said, the patients feel that the yeah. families feel it. You know, when I was a younger nurse and I just remember my mentors always saying to me, you know, never speak to this at the bedside. Don't stand there with your fellow nurse when you're turning your patient over and giving them a bath and you're talking about short staffing, you're complaining about this or that, or, you know, the person in the bed does not care. Right. They do not care. Never say, Hey, I can't get your medicine on time because we're short staffed. They don't care. You know, I mean, whatever they're going through in that moment yeah. is most important to them. And the pain that they're feeling is they're the only person in the hospital that's having pain in that moment. You know, I mean, you can't run around saying that stuff. So, you know, it's self-care is emotional, spiritual. I mean, yeah, physical, physical like it's exercise, all encompassing. 
Yeah. Do what you can to take care of yourself or it's going to, it's going to flood over into the patients, into the families. And, you know, I mean, they just, it, it just is non-important to most people of what you're going through. Now, some may work in healthcare or some other profession where they understand they're like, I get it. Don't, don't put the call light on. Cause she's running around like crazy, but the preponderance of people are not going to understand and they're not going to get it and yeah. they're not going to care. So you just, you know, they always say you just have to suck it up and do it. But in order to suck it up and do it and get through your shifts, you're going to have to take care of yourself. You're going to have to come yeah. into it with a positive, good vibe, a, you know, yeah. good heart, like just trying to be true, empathetic, compassionate, yeah. you know? Yeah. They're for the right reasons. Right. You know, you guys know uh, nurse Kimberly, she developed uh, remnantnursing.org. And, you know, I would highly suggest reaching out to her because uh, they, this is a, a place that nurses who have the knowledge and the ethics and the love for the profession that really truly want to help get, keep people out of the hospital, um, you can have your own business uh, working with Nurse Kimberly at remnantnursing.org. And for those of you guys that, you know, would love some like spiritual guidance, you know, increasing in your confidence. So you have the courage to walk in your calling, which hopefully that's why you're in the nursing profession. Um, and this isn't just for nurses. Um, I do have the truth movement and you can get to that at jodyomalleyrn.com. You know, there's so many things that I wanted to touch on today, but it, you know, time always just goes by so fast. Uh, if there's anything, any topic, guys, that you want um, us to expand upon, please send me an email. You could do it at nurses at americaoutloud.com. And again, please like, save, review, and share the show because it gets us boosted up into the ratings where people actually, you know, see our show when they search for anything nurses. So that's all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we are on air five days a week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an encore at 11 p.m. You can hear us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Stitcher, or on the world-class media player at americaoutloud.news. You can also go to your app and type in nurses space out space loud, nurses out loud, and then you get all of our shows that go to podcast. And so thank you for joining us. Uh, until next time, friends, be safe, be well, and God bless. It's time.